Welcome back to Ambushed. My name is John and I was trained as a pastor and this is one of the ways I am trying to do something good with that education, I guess you could say. So I haven't been around for the past couple weeks because I've been traveling a bit and actually speaking a little bit this summer too. But just last night, I was looking up stuff about this podcast, and I, I saw that on SoundCloud, it's already got 12,000 listens, which is impressive. Yes, it's been around for a while, but I'm incredibly humbled that anyone would bother to listen to anything that I would say. But uh, back at you with another one. This one is called, let me see, what did I title it? There's something wrong with this chili. And uh, the title makes me laugh because it makes me think of a story which I'm going to tell uh, about making a bad batch of chili. But um, if you have the chance, go online and look up uh, me on Instagram or Twitter or somewhere else at that John Chafee. And uh, it's kind of funny. I thought about naming my Instagram and stuff accounts, the John Chafee, and I thought that'd be too presumptuous. So I called it that John Chafee, which just makes me laugh because like, ugh, that guy over there. But thank you for listening. This is going to be uh, another interesting, hopefully, uh, episode because about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I was speaking at a camp and I needed to teach a theology type class. And here's the fun thing is that I called it, I think this guy might be an idiot, right? That was the class title. I think this guy might be an idiot. And it was fun because I never planned anything for it, but that was on purpose. It wasn't because I was lazy. It's because I was trying to do something completely different where I would have about 25 people all sitting there listening. And I said, listen, we could go anywhere. Where should we start? We can talk about anything. Any topic could happen. And uh, it was fascinating because I said that the class was a gamble. We're going to talk for about 35, 40 minutes, and hopefully we'll say something meaningful that justifies us taking this time together. And so I taught a class like that eight different times Every single one of them was completely different. Every single one of them was draining. But what was fascinating is every single one of them, people said, this was a meaningful use of our time. Because, sure, I've got some places where I have some speciality. I know about this topic. I know about this topic. But they each knew about different topics in between. And so then we started filling in the gaps for each other. And I think... I ended up learning a lot, they ended up learning a lot, and we all ended up being a little exhausted because that takes an enormous amount of energy. But I kind of hope the same thing happens with these episodes, that uh, we try to fill in the gap between what each of us know, and that by the end of the time, hopefully you also sit there and think, yes, this was a meaningful use of my time. We actually explored something worthwhile. Because there are a number of podcasts out there that are just straightforward entertainment, and that's fine. 
and maybe that's what they're trying to do. But there's a part of me that thinks I would rather be trying to do something that's more meaningful than entertaining. And if we happen to be entertaining, then, hey, that's great. But what we are lacking is really meaningful conversations. And uh, I'm horrified (laughs) by the amount of small talk I sometimes have to do. Yes, you can only talk about the weather so much, but you can only talk about Netflix so much as well and so many other topics. So hopefully you listened to this episode. Thank you for checking it out. Uh, But hopefully you listen to it and you say, yes, we explored some really interesting places. So for this one, what I would like to do is tell you a simple statement that everyone is taught as a pastor. And when you go through seminary, which is like college for pastors, uh, it's graduate school, so it happens after college. Um, it's, it's really hard. Now, what am I trying to say? It's a cliche statement that it's hard to maintain after you've seen some things. So here we go. Ready? We're going to jump on in. This is, there's something wrong with this chili. Let's see if we go someplace meaningful with this. All right. So when you go to seminary, you have to sit there and you have to listen to all these classes and people tell you what to think about God and how to think about God according to different thinkers throughout history. And that's kind of cool. I like that. But there's a statement that's really not quite settled within me. And early on, you might have heard this statement if you go to seminary. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. So let me say it again. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. You might have heard the word orthodoxy, which just means right beliefs. So maybe you've heard somebody say like, oh, that's orthodox. Or maybe you've heard of the Greek Orthodox Church. Or maybe you've heard somebody say that they're not orthodox. That means that they don't have the correct beliefs. Well, that's what orthodox means. But orthopraxy, so praxy comes, it's where we get practice from. So if orthodoxy means right beliefs or right worship, you worship the right things, then orthopraxy means right actions. So the right beliefs lead to the right actions. And that gets hammered into you time and time again. And so what ends up happening is there's such a high emphasis when you are trained in that way to focus exactly on what people believe so that then you can correct people in what they believe so then they can have the right beliefs that lead to the right activities. Uh, But that's really difficult. That doesn't quite sit well with me because... Oh man, who was it? I forget. Some philosopher said, a belief is an idea that you enjoy having. And so if you want to look at someone's beliefs, that's fine. But sometimes we say we believe something just because we like the way the idea sits with us. Does that make sense? And if you like the way an idea sits with you, That's very different from letting it affect you. For instance, 
I could like the belief that I could win the lottery later today, but that may not exactly change my activities in the right way. I could even say, yeah, I would like the idea of winning the lottery, but what relevance does that really have as a belief that I believe it's possible that I could win the lottery? And so there's there's something else going on there. And then came the whole plethora of pastoral failures that have happened over the years. <clears throat> and it seems as though every six months you find out about another high-profile person who's in ministry, who had a massive falling out with their spouse or at their workplace or at the church, and it just leads you to wonder, well, what the heck is going on? If orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy, if all these people supposedly have the right beliefs, why the heck are they having so many terrible activities happening? So the idea that orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy doesn't, well, it's not 100% true all the time, is it? So, so why do we teach it, right? So let me look at what I wrote. In seminary, we're taught that orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Then came all the moral failings of pastors and even congregants or people in the church. You can even, let's be honest, let's not even project on other people. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. Then comes all of your own moral failings, your own missteps and issues. And so you may even be led to say for yourself, not even throw shade on other people who are high profile and instead say, wait, I've... I supposedly believe all the right things, so why the heck am I such a wreck? Huh? And then how can I turn my life around? If I'm already believing the right things, and yet I'm a train wreck, what is going on? Well, let's go into that, because that's what I want this one to be about. So here we go. I am not sure if I still believe that orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy simply because the evidence doesn't support it and as a hypothesis about how to change human behavior doesn't doesn't always sit perfectly. Now maybe I'm missing something, but I'm going to try to resolve this issue by going a different way. As I think about that sentence and I think about the moral moral failings of other people or let's be honest myself, the focus with that statement is on what you say you believe rather than examining the loves of your own heart. To search out if you have some disordered loves that dictate your own behaviors without you even knowing it. So let's invent a word, okay? So let's think about orthodoxy, orthopraxy. I was like, well, what's going on? Right beliefs, right activities. And then I was like, let's, let's make up a new word. What about right loves? So ortho could still mean right or correct, but then amor is Latin for love. So what if we were to invent the word orthoamory leads to orthopraxy? That we stop focusing so much on what we say we think we believe and instead say, am I loving 
the things that the divine wants me to love rather than saying, do I believe what hierarchical structures, which may even include God, tell me I should be believing? Now, we could be drifting into heterodox stuff here, which means it's still right, but it may not be things that you've heard before. So don't throw me out with the bathwater yet. So here we go. The proof is not in the pudding for me about orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. And the outcomes kind of tells me that something's wrong with the recipe. And that brings me to the story. So this one's called, there is something wrong with this chili because (laughs) uh, my mom used to work out of state uh, and she would drive out and be a college professor. And so sometimes there would be my dad, my brother and I, the three of us to fend for ourselves in the kitchen, which is almost always a gamble, right? Never leave the husband (laughs) and the two teenage sons at home to fend for themselves. Yeah, we did okay, but uh, mom's meals were definitely way better than the three of our brains connected working together. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so there was one time that our mom left us a recipe for a sweet chili. And it was fall or early winter time, and I remember it was cold outside, so chili is perfect, right? It hits the spot. And I don't even like runny chili. I like chili to be chunky and thick, you know, the type that you have to like shovel because it's more of a, I don't know, it's just chunky. It's not, it's not like a soup, you know? So I remember we're in the kitchen, and the recipe said to, to take some of the ground beef and then put in some of the beans and then some of the tomatoes and some of the peppers and all the other stuff. And then it said to add a few spoons of sugar. And we're like, oh, well, here we go. So we grabbed the jar that was right next to everything else. And <laughs> we said, well, this is for a sweet chili. So what if we double the amount of sugar? It'll make it even more sweet. And it'd be like a dessert chili. so here we are we took the normal scoops that we're supposed to do of sugar and doubled it so that this batch was going to be super good and so we stir it all in we see it disappear into the mix and uh, we let it boil for like another half hour just to make sure it gets nice thick and chunky when it came to be time for dinner because it was finished we grabbed the chili And we put each into like large bowls for the three of us. We prayed before dinner and we started shoveling it down. And I am not making this up. By the first spoon, we all knew that something was wrong. And I took my first spoonful. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And I I needed to go drink some water, flush it down. Maybe it was a bad, maybe we got stirred up. So we stirred all this up and we took another spoon and it was just as bad. Like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with this. And we couldn't figure it out. But like, why am I so thirsty? And it's because we walked over and realized that instead of sugar, we put in salt. But not even salt. We put in double the amount of what we thought was sugar. And so instead, the whole batch of chili was completely ruined because... Instead of it being a doubly sweet chili, it was a super salt, doubly salty chili. 
oh, but it ruined the batch, right? So <laughs> we laughed, and I think we even kind of agreed to not tell mom about it, but she very quickly realized what happened the next day when she came home and asked to have some of the leftovers. Uh, we did something really bad. But also, hold on, whoever leaves a jar of salt next to all of the other things without a label on it. But I'll still say it's our fault. Anyways, the men were left alone to fend for themselves, and that's what happened. But you see, there was an ingredient in the chili that ruined the whole batch. You can have the prescription or the recipe for what's supposed to happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean it because what matters is what's in the midst of everything of it. So here's, here's what I would like to propose, right? We got to examine things on a deeper level because if orthodoxy doesn't always lead to orthopraxy, then maybe we've got to pay attention to this, that orthoamory leads to orthopraxy. That you've got to go to an earlier stage or earlier level to understand the outcomes. Because when we make life change all about what you believe, you can miss something along the way. Because you can say you believe one thing, but then in the midst of all that batch of you stirring your life up, you've got an enormous amount of salt in there. And you're not willing to look at the salt because you're looking at the recipe. You're like, no, no, no. The recipe says we've done everything right, but something snuck in. So if we follow, this is my upgrade of this statement. What if we were to focus on orthoamory leads to orthopraxy? Because to me, um, having the right loves leads to a life well lived. So try this. Sit down at a coffee shop and list your loves. Granted, if you grew up in a church setting, you already know probably the Apostles' Creed or some of the other creeds or what you're supposed to believe, right? I'm not saying to write down those things, what you say you believe. I'm saying to write down the things that you say you love. And then if you can't figure out what the things are in life that you love the most then stop and just realize you're already living out the loves of your own heart. You can't run from your heart. So examine your loves to see if they are like a compass leading you in the right direction. And so pay attention to the, tra to the trajectory of your loves. Will they lead you to a place that you want to go or not? If you were to ramp them up to 11 and you can very easily figure out what are the things that you love the most. Really, you can. Because let's talk about triggers real quick. So in modern culture today, they say, be careful of the things that trigger you. You always need to have a safe space. And I actually think that that might be going a little too far. Because you're never able to confront the things that terrorize you. If you're always putting yourself in a safe place, you need to purposefully voluntarily choose to confront certain things. And we all know <laughs> it doesn't help you to avoid the things that terrify you. 
those monsters will only get larger. So it's it's actually better probably to voluntarily confront the things that trigger you rather than always blame the people who do trigger you. But that's part of it. The things that trigger you trigger you because they're pointing to loves that you don't know about. That, that they're pointing to things that you unconsciously value very, very much. And I, I mean this in both the negative and the positive sense. Pay attention to the things that trigger happiness or joy or fulfillment or something else for you. Because the things that bring you happiness, joy, fulfillment, whatever, somehow that fulfills a love for you on some deep level. So pay attention to what triggers the positive things in you, but also pay attention to what triggers the negative emotions. Because every time we have strong emotions, it's actually a signal to the things that our heart attaches or is frustrated with attachments to. So I would like to reframe a lot of things here. Orthodoxy doesn't always lead to orthopraxy, but if you at least start paying attention to orthoamory and start paying attention to the things that you love and then purposefully try to work out the things and and try to redirect your heart to love the right things, then your life is going to start falling into place. And what we have here, this is just like another level of analysis. Because to focus on what you say you believe is kind of a surface level of analysis. And that's fine. You should be doing that. But at some level, you got to go to the other levels, the deeper levels, to the things that you're even blind to about yourself. At what point are you going to dig a little deeper into the soil of your own soul and figure out, that oh, okay, this is where these deep roots are. And the deep roots of this thing are good, but the deep roots of this thing over here are not good. So here's the hope. That you listen to this one and that you still value having the right beliefs. Because beliefs help to ground us and give us hope that things can change, right? Hope is an integral part of belief and faith. That you believe that something is possible. Sure, absolutely do that. But if you actually want to see your life change a bit, that means you have to start focusing on the things that you love most in life. And then also start paying attention to the things, well, why is it that I don't love community? Why is it that I don't love family? Why is it that I don't love being well? Why is it that I don't love, I don't know, going to therapy or meeting my personal trainer at the gym, anything. Orthodoxy doesn't always lead to orthopraxy because what we need to do is actually pay attention to the attachments of our own heart. Pay attention to your amours, the Latin word for love. Pay attention to the loves of your heart because those are the things that will dictate whether or not you've got the right kind of life that you want. There we go. This has been, uh, there's something wrong with this chili. And I hope I invited you at least into a further discussion, 
right? I, I'm sure that this probably did not tie up all the loose ends, but hopefully you are now just like that class that I taught about two weeks ago. You're walking away or you're listening to this thinking, huh, this was time well spent because this brought some new things to me that I need to wrestle with. So may God be with you in the wrestling and uh, may you examine the loves of your heart deeply uh, today. May grace and peace be with you.